All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody thank you for joining us here I, I don't know what episode tim but it's getting up we appreciate all the support thank you for listening and it's a go school started tim are your kids back at school they are second grade this year it's crazy you got twins as well twins yeah yeah twins bobby and rachel that's so exciting do you know where they are right now <laughs> they're a pathfinder you know <laughs> do not go there that school is just, uh, it's trouble, that school. Anyways, moving on. Tim's obviously kidding. He doesn't have kids that he knows of anywhere in this country. But my kids are all at school. We got, we we transitioned this year, so it was nice. We, we stuck another one in school. We took a couple out to do the homeschooling. So now we got two in, five out. It's, it's fun, Tim. It's an interesting morning. It was a good transition from uh, Northport to Traverse City. Back in the swing of things. You know, back to back to normal life. You know what I mean? Summer's over. Let, let's get let's get real. You know what I mean, Tim? Is it hard? Is it hard leaving your little Northport Paradise Island to come back to real life? Yeah, I actually extended it a few more days because I was having so much fun. Like I, I really, really enjoy it out there. There's few spots that I like. We who was I talking to about vacations? Would you rather go here or go here or go here? I can't think of a handful of places in the world I would rather go than go to Northport, Michigan. Like I'd go back to Rome. I really enjoyed that. I wouldn't go to Europe. I wouldn't go to Australia, maybe Costa Rica. I, I really enjoyed that, but it's a godless country. Um, there's very few places, Tim, that I would go over Northport, Michigan in the summer. It's, it's fantastic. It's my special place. Do you have any places like that, Tim, that you just, that you, when you think of like, relaxation and just peace you you go to that spot i do like happy gilmore his happy place where's your happy place tim it's newport rhode island have you ever been there no oh i love it i grew up my grandparents had a timeshare so we grew up going there every year and they've since passed but we kept it in the family in two weeks every summer i don't get to go every year anymore but it's like it was like disney world for me as a kid just the like the arcades and the beaches and the downtown and now it's like great bars and just it's great. I I love it there. Newport, Rhode Island. Very, very wealthy. 
it's is, like, I was I was just gonna say it sounds like the Hamptons. Is is it, it that is. kind of vibe? It's like there's a there's a big marina with yachts and stuff and sailboats and there's the 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 Breaker Mansions nearby. Like the Kennedys live there. Jackie oh. Kennedy grew up there. Taylor Swift had a house there. It's like there's a big fort there too. Like I try I try to tour that every time I go. Do you or dress that. up in your costume? <laughs> it's not a costume. It's a uniform, John. But no. <laughs> it's it's the wrong time era right yeah although that fort's been that was in service for like 150 years so you cover a lot of you cover a lot of ground there but like you your costume's more civil war world war ii world war ii uniform. costume uniform uniform do you have the ss on the shoulder or is it just a straight swastika no john it's the american by the way oh. we have a bunch of new listeners right now because the yakapa thing took off so i just want to say hello i guess yeah, Tim, Tim Larps. So hello. Thanks for all our listeners. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the show. I think that was a, an attempt at a transition. We'll do it. Speaking of Yakupov, how was the response, Tim? I, I've been kind of underwater here. What are, what are people saying about the interview? It's probably the, the biggest response we've ever had to an interview um, in terms of just social media engagement. I haven't checked the download numbers just because the podcast podcast statistics take like several days to catch up. It's just, it's just not very good data, but social media has been great. Like the, uh, all the Oilers and Edmonton like media are picking it up that all the listeners have shared so many new people have said like, Oh, I didn't even know about this podcast or whatever. So it's been a lot of fun. And then the general sentiment is like, not a, not a sadness, not like sympathy. Like you feel sorry for him, but it's, it's like, man, I, I had no idea. You know, I had no idea what his side of the story was, whether it's the Brian Burke thing, whether it's draft night, whether it's why things didn't work in Edmonton and, um yeah it's been really really good really positive a few people have like oh this guy was a bust like why does he need a coach to tell him how to play he was he played in sarnia for two years why didn't he learn english then like it's just it's misunderstanding i think um and if you if you listen to that interview and don't feel like you have empathy for the guy then i don't know what to tell you yeah i don't know what to tell you either i thought it was a great interview i I felt bad for him like we said we did a little recap before because of all the all the cussing and fussing but um it's funny what i picked up from it is different outlets pick up different things like um certain outlets pick up the negative sign it's like oh yakupov trashes brian burke and goes after the oilers and other outlets will pick up what you mentioned the 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 softer side or you know this this kid was really having a mental issue when he was in the NHL, he obviously felt lonely. He didn't feel accepted. He was having a hard time integrating with the Oilers and their whole environment. And it's just like, it, it was a sad situation. It, it was almost a cry for help from him. It, it was very strange. It was a good interview. I enjoyed talking to him. So we'll, we'll probably have to get him back on. We should. There was one other thing, too. A few people made this uh, the analogy between Pulyu Yarvi and Yakupov. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a pretty apt one. Like, you know, the 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 press conference last year in um, in Finland where he talked about just like, I don't belong here and I don't I'm not doing my job. And then he gets cut. It's also in Edmonton. There's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, it just it makes you think about the what ifs. It's like, OK, just say Yakupov does go to Columbus. Just say he does go to another team. Does this story end differently? Does another franchise maybe get him a few more Russians in the locker room? Do they get him a support system? Do they get him the things that he would have needed to be successful? Because I don't think anyone's ever doubted his skill. The guy has absolute, like, he's got burners on his skates. He was compared to Beret. He was compared to Gabrick. He can fly. And he's strong. And he's got a heck of a shot. 
So his skills were never questioned. It was the mental side. It was, can you learn the NHL game? Can you adapt? Can you play defense? Basically, he even said, I I, I got benched because I didn't block a shot. Could another organization have gotten more out of him? I think yes. I think people like to say, oh, skill always triumphs. No, you got you to mold skill. You, you have to figure out how it works in your system. You, there's There's skilled players all over this league. Every team has superstars for the most part. It's being able to get them to do things maybe they don't want to do, learning new skills, humbling them a little bit, and making it work within your team and your structure. You see the good organizations can do it time and time again. It's the ones that can't do it are the ones that struggle. The Edmontons, the Arizonas, those those types of places where you're getting high draft picks. Like Arizona's been getting high draft picks for a long time. Same with Edmonton. They just can't seem to figure it out. And it starts from the top. I've said that time and time again. You need a good leader, Tim. That's why you. That's why this podcast works so good, right? Because I'm a great leader. Because oh, 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 you lead me. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, but yes, Nail Yakubov, great interview. Hopefully, he does well this year in Russia. He hasn't been putting up a ton of points over there. Broke his finger. I know it. It it almost seems like hockey's not that important to him. He kind of said it in so many words. Oh, he'd said it in very direct words. Hockey's yeah. not my life. So yeah. good for him. He 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 found out what makes him happy. He's living at home. He's playing hockey. Seems to be in a good space, right? He's 30 years old soon. Time to grow yeah. up, Peter Pan. He's in a good spot now. You know who else is in a good spot? We we got kind of introduced to this player a couple interviews ago by Brady Kachuk. We asked him who the most underrated player is in the NHL, and he said Jake Sanderson. Tim and I looked at each other and we said, who? He said, yeah, a defenseman on my team. The guy is a fleet-footed, swift skating, good first pass, all-around solid defenseman. Well, looks like Brady Kachuk knew something that nobody else did because Jake Sanderson just signed one of the most surprising contracts I and a lot of other, other people in the NHL world have ever seen. He's played one full season in in the NHL. That's it, 77 games. And he just signed an eight-year, $8.05 million contract for a total of $64.4 million that kicks in during the 24-25 season. This contract is massive, Tim. It's absolutely massive. When you saw this, did you just have a good chuckle? I saw it, and I was like, Jake Sanderson, like the same guy Brady was talking about? Yeah. Let me know about this contract. Tell me about well, it. Well, <laughs> everyone was kind of reacting the same way when the news broke last night. It was like, how much money? Who? How much term? Like, and so everyone's kind of saying overpaid, overpaid. Like you're you're investing in something that's super unproven, regardless of what you think his potential is going to be. And one of the things I was thinking too was like, and this is I saw a tweet about this. Like, he's going to have a breakout season this coming year, right? Or maybe maybe it's next year. But just say it happens this year. If he has a breakout season and puts up what would be a breakout season for him is being logging 22, 24 minutes every night, maybe 40 or 50 points, you know, like like Ottawa takes a step forward and he's a big part of it. If all those things go well, wouldn't you say he'd make about eight million dollars if everything went well? Like it, you're not getting ahead of it by paying him this much. You know what I mean? Like it, I don't it's not like 
could, is there anything he could do this coming year realistically that would have earned him more than this contract anyway? Why, why, why do it ahead of time? I disagree with that notion. I understand it. <clears throat> he would have been an RFA again because he's only 21. So they would have had an, an extra window to sign. But just say they do do a three-year deal. They do a bridge to get him to 25. If they do wait this year, the cap's going up. Everybody's projecting. The, I, I, I trust these projections now because the COVID money is almost paid back. There's going to be more money injected into the system. They're not going to be paying off that debt. The cap's 83.5 right now. It's projected to go up to 90 next year and then to keep rising after that. So if you kick this can down the road, everybody's salaries are going to increase. You're, you're going to see it. Austin Matthews' $13.5 $13. million contract isn't going to look that bad in three years when the salary cap could be $95 million. So you get Jake Sanderson now for $8 million. The average salary for the average defenseman in four years might be $4.5 million. This guy is going to get better. Last year, he played 77 games. What do you get? 32 points, I believe, in his rookie season. It's not bad. The ceiling for him is very, very high. The floor, I think, is very, very low. He's six foot four, six foot three, two hundred and some pounds. He's got a big body. I like this move. It puts him all the way into his prime, into his thirty. He's twenty one, going to be twenty two. So this takes him to when he's thirty years old. You're getting all his prime for eight million dollars with the cap going up. I think this is a smart move by Dorian. He's been doing this the right way. I think he saw the tea leaves before every other GM did. He's like, okay. Cap's going to go up. All these contracts that are $8 million, the Stutzels, the Norrises, the Shabbats, now the Sandersons, those are going to look pretty good in four years when we have another $15 million to spend. So you look at this roster, they're, they're, they're up to the cap. They only have a million dollars in cap space now. But you inject him another $10 million into this and they could put another superstar on this team. It's pretty dangerous when you get Stutzel, Kachuk, Giroux, Batherson, Shabbat, Chitrin, Sanderson, Norris. That's a that's a legit lineup that's only getting better, and they're all in the same age range. Age range. We had Kachuk on a couple of weeks ago. He said it himself. He's like, we're all young. We're all learning together. So I, it, for as little as I know about Sanderson, I like the idea of this, locking him in, getting him signed on for his, his entire prime thing. Like, that's it. He, they, they got him for all the good years, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. But those are the good years. Maybe the contract doesn't look as good this year, but everybody, they said the same thing about the Stutzel contract when he signed it. It's like, who's this young kid out of Germany? You know, he had an okay first year, okay second year. He got, you know, 29 points, and now you're giving him $8 million? Don't look now. He had 40 goals last year. So I think he knows what he's doing, Doran. This is the way of business. We, we've said it time and time again. So maybe it's a little early. They could have maybe waited. But it, like you mentioned, if they're going to give him 23 minutes a night and he's going to put up 50 points, his agent's going to say, hey, I want $10 million. I'm 22 years old. I just got 50 points. And the cap's going up. So I think you sign him now. I think it's a good move by Dorian. I think a good comparable situation is Matt Boldy in Minnesota, who yep. played one season, 39 points in 47 games. Really good, really good, you know, rookie year in a shortened season. And then the following year, he signed seven by seven, um, which was a big investment. He put up 63 points last year, 31 goals, and he's only 21 years old still. So, yeah, I think it's good. And, and if Sanderson does take that step forward the way that they seem to think he will, is there a better like top three defensive core than Shabbat, Sanderson and, and Chitin in the league right now? It's tough. And don't forget Artem, Artem Zub. 
who's yeah. a very, very, very good defenseman on that Ottawa center. I think their top four is is lights out. If, if Sanderson pans out, like like I said, like you said during the podcast with Brady, never seen the kid play. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But looking at his stats, looking at his metrics, he seems like the ideal lineup. They got him. They got Jacob Chitron, who's a moose of a man. They got Thomas Shabbat, who's no small guy. I think he's 6'2", 6'3". All of these players are prime NHL defensemen. They can all move the puck. They're all gifted offensively. They all have size. So I don't mind what Ottawa's doing, Tim. I really don't. They just got to figure it out, put it all together, and make it work on the ice. Because on paper, it looks pretty good. You bring in Tarasenko. You have that veteran leadership. He's won a cup. I don't know. I'm not sleeping on the Senators this year. So far, I like what they've done. How about going from being a 20-year-old college student to a 21-year-old making $925,000 a year to a 22-year-old making $8 million a year. That That is great. Like, what a, what a life. Must be nice. It's, good, it's be, a good, good progression. You, it's yeah. a good progression. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. He was eating dorm food two years ago. Like, it's a, it's a University of North Dakota. It's it's amazing the progression this guy's made. So you get the opportunity, took advantage of. Was he a dry, high draft pick, Tim? I don't even know. Yeah, first so first round, fifth overall. So this this is the example of an organization that gets it. They let the kids develop. They didn't pull them from college too early. They gave him a couple more years of seasoning. Then he comes in and he's a stud. You rush him. He doesn't maybe feel comfortable. He's in over his head. He develops bad habits. And you give up on him after three years. This is a, this is a perfect example of how you develop a kid. I, I can't believe I'm I'm applauding the Ottawa Senators as much as I am right now. But they they are. He, he they gave him two more years in North Dakota, and he was able to grow as a man. Now he came in at twenty one, and look at what happened to him. It's it's a beautiful thing. So good for them. Maybe Buffalo should have taken a card of this, and maybe let Owen Power develop a little. More. You save a year of his contract. You get some good feelings in Michigan. I don't know. We'll see how that pans out. It's a, He seems to be doing pretty, pretty well. All right. What else are we doing today, Tim? Yeah, we had this uh, idea from a listener, Chris. Shout out to Chris. Um, there's a kind of a little bit of a trend going around on social media of, of which teams and cities would be on your no trade list. So I thought it would be fun if we did that, just the two of us. We, we're each going to give five teams we would approve and five teams that would be on our no trade list. Do you want to start, John? Well, there's a lot, a lot of ways to to come at this question, right? You could do it strictly off ice, which cities you would love to go to, which cities you wouldn't love to go to. I think if you do it that way, it's pretty obvious. The ones you would not want to go to are predominantly Canadian. You don't want to go to Calgary. You don't want to go to Edmonton. You don't want to go to Winnipeg just because it's strictly weather factor. It's not fun. You probably wouldn't want to go to the Islanders. You probably wouldn't go want to go to New Jersey. So those are a lot of people do it that way. I'm going to do it as a strictly hockey player. If I'm a if I'm a good player, maybe I got a year or two left of my contract and it's the deadline and I'm I'm being bandied about in trade rumors, what team would I would I want to go to? And which team would I not want to go to? So that's what I did. So the teams that I would say yes to. And there's a five team limit, but there's a lot of good hockey teams. The teams that I would say yes to are the Carolina Hurricanes. The Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the New Jersey Devils. 
Those are my five. I think all of those are good teams that have a potential to win the Stanley Cup. There's reasons to go to certain teams. Dallas, you go because there's no state tax, and it's just a beautiful place to live. I think Dallas is a nice city. Toronto, you get the chance to play with superstars, legit superstars who are in their prime, who are ready to have a Stanley Cup, and they have salary cap space that I could sign with them years moving forward. The Devils, the same thing. They have a lot of good young talent that I think what I would like to play with. Colorado, the same thing. They just won the Stanley Cup. They are odds on favorite if Landis God comes back, which I don't think he will. But if he does, they have the, the pedigree to win a Stanley Cup. And then Carolina, what's not to like about Carolina? They took big steps last year. They added some pieces in the offseason. All these teams are great options. There's not one of them where I would poo-poo the idea of going to play there. Who were your five, Tim, that you would go to? Our lists are quite similar, actually. The first one I wrote down to was Carolina, just because of the the pedigree of the team. Plus, most of the teams I picked are in the warm weather, which I didn't plan for, but I'm sure it's not a coincidence. So Carolina would be high on the list for me. Vegas would be high on the list, not only because of what they do on the ice. Obviously, they just won. But the way the players talk about the city, like Ryan Reeves, is just really appealing to me. And again, it's 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 not the Vegas as we think of visiting on the Strip and going gambling. It's like the city is... Where the, where the players live and everything else is a totally different environment. So I, I, they would be on the list. I said the Panthers um, would be fun just because of, I mean, they surprised everyone last year. You got the no tax thing or the, the lower tax thing. Um, I think this team's going to be good for a long time. I picked Dallas for the same reasons you mentioned. Uh, the city, the the area, the taxes, the the talent. A lot There's a lot to like there. And this one, I picked the Oilers. I thought about the Leafs too. I think I'd rather, I, I think the Oilers have at least as good a chance as the Leafs do of making a run, but without the scrutiny in the media uh, of the Toronto level. I know Edmonton's got its own, but it's not, it's not that level from what I understand. So I would pick uh, Edmonton over Toronto. You think that Edmonton has a better chance. Is that based on them being in the Western Conference or you just think Edmonton's a better team? <clears throat> um, Probably a little bit of both, but yeah, I think, th- I think they're as good as Toronto. Yeah. Hmm. I don't. You don't have to. That's okay. Interesting. All right. Those are all valid things. I don't think people understand the allure of playing for a team that has no state tax when you're making $8 million. And then all of a sudden you look at your paycheck and there's been 10 to 15% just raked off the top because of state tax. But then you can go to a few places that don't have any state tax and you get that extra money. It's a huge benefit for Dallas, Tampa Bay, and Florida to be able to negotiate with players and say, hey, come play here. We'll give you a million dollars less, but it'll actually be more than you would get anywhere else in the country because we don't have state tax. So think about it. It's such a negotiation advantage for those guys. And it's just, they're just beautiful spots. I would take Tampa over Florida maybe, but that's just me. All right, moving on to the five teams that I would not want to go to. And now I, I could have just easily done the low-hanging fruit and just said, yeah, Flyers, no. Montreal Canadiens, no. Let's do the Blackhawks, no. Just the lowest place teams in the league, the Sharks, the Ducks, no, no, no. But I have to be realistic at a deadline. Those teams aren't looking for for players to build their rosters. They're not looking for talent such as myself to help them make the Stanley Cup. They're looking to shed salary. They're looking to shed players to make themselves better for next year or to save money. So I went a different route. I went teams that are going to be contenders that I still wouldn't want to go to. I'll start with the Washington Capitals. I don't know if anybody knows my hatred for the Washington Capitals, 
but I don't hate them that much. I just think they're always overrated, and I don't think Ovi's going to score as many goals as people think he does and will. So there you go. Um, my second team is the Arizona Coyotes. Out of all the bottom dwellers, they seem to eat contracts, so they could be used as a as a three team parlay to kind of get my contracts off the books, and they do that come trade deadline. They they just become the third party that eats money. So I don't want to go to Arizona. I've done it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't want to go back. The New York Islanders. I just don't. I just don't think they have it. They'll be in the contention for a playoff spot. They have a good veteran team. I think their average age is forty-seven, in that range. They're just an old team, and I don't want to go there. I really don't. Winnipeg Jets. I was on some guy's podcast yesterday for Jets Nation, and I and I really did a little digging on the team, and it's depressing. What's happening in Winnipeg right now? Their two best players don't want to be there. Shifley and Hellebuck want out desperately bad. So I I don't think they have any leadership on this team. I don't think they have direction. They have a lot of talent, but it's just a rudderless boat, Tim, to use a nice analogy. So I'm not going to Winnipeg. And then to boot, it's awful in the winter. And it's a little better in the summer. So you're either going to get freezing cold windstorms where the aggregate temperature is negative 50, or you have black flies the size of softballs trying to eat you alive. So it's either it's either or in Winnipeg. And my last team is the St. Louis Blues. It's just a Jordan Bennington factor. I really don't <laughs> like that guy. I don't want to be around him. I don't want to be his teammate. I can't protect him. If he did his antics during the game, I would be more prone to just attack him. And then that would be all over, you know, TSN. John Scott attacks his goalie. Why is this happening? So yeah, the St. Louis Blues are my last choice. Interesting. Okay. My list is actually, again, very, very similar with, I think, three teams overlap. Um, the Flyers were on my list. And so just because of the torch thing, the the lack of direct direction that I sense, they're kind of stuck in like, I know they've had a couple of bad draft picks, but they're not as bad as some of the bottom dwelling teams, I don't think. But they're just stuck down there and they and they can't seem to climb up. And it's just nothing like, there's nothing appealing about that, that franchise right now. Uh, plus the city itself is not my favorite city. So I wouldn't pick the Flyers, um, Winnipeg for all the reasons you mentioned. And just it has uh, I'm sure it's not that much colder than like Edmonton, for example, or Calgary, except it doesn't have any of like the hockey appeal to me. So uh, I don't need that. The Capitals stuck in no man's land right now. They're not bad enough to tank, not good enough to make a playoff rush or even make the playoffs. And the team, again, just is very just kind of boring to me. So I don't I wouldn't pick them. Islanders also, I think, was on your list. They're they're probably the 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 worst in my mind, the worst of like the contending teams, uh, the teams that are like hovering near a spot. They don't really excite me very much. If I'm going to New York, I'm picking the Rangers or the Devils uh, for sure over the Islanders, and then the Canadians. Um, I wanted to pick another another big market that I would deal with the the attention and the spotlight in the media if I thought I had a chance of winning, like in Edmonton, like I mentioned, even Toronto. I wouldn't do it for a major city like Montreal to not be able to compete for a cup. So a team that I almost said yes for were the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it'd be fun to be in that locker room I really, for whatever reason with Malkin and Carlson, the dynamics would be interesting because Crosby is super serious, ultimate competitor. And then I feel like Malkin and Carlson are just like smoking darts in the back. You know what I mean? I have scored. Yeah, it'll just be a weird locker room. 
Because I don't see Carlson being that passionate about winning a game and he's like super upset if they lose or he turns the puck over. I just I just am interested to see how that's gonna work out. So yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Chris. I don't think it was overly fun. I thought it was a nice little like game. Right. Who are you who are you arguing with right now? Nobody. I'm just stating my opinion. <laughs> okay. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, yeah. It was fun. It was a th- it was fun to think about. It was fun to think about. Send us your list. Tweet at us. I want to hear who your list. I don't be. want to hear. No, don't do that. Don't tweet at John. You can tweet at me. Um, tweet, tweet at Tim. All right, moving on. Friend of the show. Well, was he on the show? I don't even know. Michael Delzato. <laughs> no. no, no, he was never on the show. He retired. Fourteen years in the NHL. Seven hundred some games played. Thirty-six games played. Two hundred sixty-two points. Strangely low amount of points. I always thought he was a puck mover. I played with him with the New York Rangers. Nice enough kid. Just a very free spirit, you know. Like like to go out have a have a few socials. I remember one time we were in the locker room. I don't know if I should tell this. Um, I'll edit it. I'll edit it. There was a um, model in New York who had just become very, very famous and she was looking to date an athlete. And so we had our PR guy come in and I guess her, the model's representation reached out to our team and said, would anybody on the Rangers like to take her on a date? And this is the most famous model on planet earth at this point, Tim. So think back 10 years, who the most famous one was and it's her. She's married to an athlete right now. So she she got what she wanted. Do you know who it is? Yeah, yeah. You could say it. I don't care. Anyway, so everybody was like married, married, no thank you, no thank you. Michael Delzato took her out on a date. And so that's just like, and they, I don't know what happened, but they had a good time. So he liked to go out. He liked to, to, to have that lifestyle. So good for him. You know, he lived his life. He won a Stanley Cup not even playing a game. I don't know how that works. But he won one with the Blues. He didn't play one playoff game. Is his name on the cup? I don't know. I know when I was in Chicago, there were certain parameters for getting your name on the cup. You had to play at least one playoff game, 41 regular season games. And if you didn't do either of those two, the team had to petition for you to get your name on the cup because there's only a certain amount of space. So I don't know. His name's on the cup. Good, good guy. Very good guy. So I used, you know, I never hung around with him very much in New York just because, like I said, we ran with different crowds. I ran with uh, Stu Bickle and Jeff Wojtka and Michael does uh, not Michael does It's him. Uh, friend of the show, Matt Zuccarello. That was my pal in around group. Cool. Yeah. Any, any other bit... Delzato stories you have, Tim? <laughs> none, none that I can share on the show. Um, no, yeah, just a little bit of a strange career, just because like you said, you, you thought he would have put up more points because I'm looking at his stats. He had 37 points his rookie year, came back down his second year, but then 41 points his third year when he was 21 years old. And then that was the peak of his, the rest of his career. He paid, he played on and off for the next 12 years and basically never put up more than 20 points or so, um, which is strange. I don't know why some guys seem to figure it out so quickly and they never figure it out again, but it does seem to happen fairly often. How many teams was he on? Uh, Rangers, Nashville, Flyers, Canucks, Ducks, Blues, Ducks again, Blue Jackets, and Senators. Wow. So like yeah. eight, nine. He got dealt a lot. 
at the deadline, he was one of those defensemen where, oh, we might need a guy. We need we need a guy to fill in on the power play. Maybe if someone goes down, he was the guy a team would pick up. So, is it, uh, <laughs> does Gostaspear does that feel similar to you? Yeah, I think Gostaspear is better. Yeah, obviously a higher upside offensively, but someone some almost like a Yandel. Who who got thrown around there at the deadline quite a few times. So good for Delzato. Kick kick the can around for 14 years. Got a Stanley Cup. I I can't say that. That's not on my resume. All right, moving up. Another guy finds a job who desperately needs a job. Doug Wilson, former GM of the San Jose Sharks, has been looking for work. And he finally found it. The Pittsburgh Penguins have hired him to be their senior advisor to Kyle Dubas and hockey operations. Again, another title. You you have to dissect it word by word and try to figure out what he actually does. So he's a senior advisor to Kyle Dubas, who's the GM and president. So he advises Dubas on all his decisions, apparently. But he also is a senior advisor, not a junior advisor, or just an advisor. So the senior, you would have to think, is the highest priority of the advisors, right? If If there's a pecking order. Senior is the highest. He's a senior advisor to hockey operations, which we don't know what that is. Hockey operations is is a broad term. It could mean the guy who books the hotel rooms. It could be the head coach. It could be a lot of things. Hockey operations is a very broad term. But Doug Wilson now advises them at a senior level. So good for him. Good for him. He's going to do a lot. Over under 250K in this job. I think that might be bang on the number 250. Yeah. So I'll go, I'll go, I'll go nailed it. I think that's a good litmus for two. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I'll tell you what his day to day is going to be. And I'm going to try to get him on the show. I have his number from San Jose. I haven't texted him yet. I don't know if it's the same number, but I'm going to text him. His day to day is going to go like this he's going to go into the office. You're going to get a cup of coffee and he's going to sit there and he's going to go poke his head into Kyle's office. Hey, Kyle, what's going on? Uh, nothing. Anything? <laughs> yeah. Anything. He's going to check that box, go back into his office, check his email, put on some crest white strips because his teeth are incredibly white. He's going to get done with those. They take around 40 minutes. He's going to go get another refill of coffee. Then he's going to go around the locker room, say hi to the staff, say hi to the players. Go say hi to everybody. Make it known that he's in the office. And he's going to cut loose right after practice around 132. That's it. And he's going to do that every day. And he's going to get paid $250,000. And if they have if they have a discussion, should we get this player? He'll put in his two cents. And that's it. It's such, it's it's comical, Tim. It's comical the amount of money that just gets thrown around and is wasted. Imagine if Elon Musk came in and saw one of these organizations. You have all these scouts. You have all these advisors. You have all these people, they don't do anything. The only people who do work, and I've been around lots of organizations. There are probably 20% of the people who do 100% of the work in every organization. It's it's always the secretaries. And there's a few scouts who put all the um, audio and video stuff together. It's just amazing the amount of just wasted wastefulness when it comes to just staff. It's crazy. They just sit around and fiddle their thumbs. And now you make up jobs. It's a, I want one. I desperately want one. But yeah, good good for Doug Wilson. Good for him. The GM does a lot of work. 
Like that, that's a tough job, a stressful job. Senior advisor to the GM and president. That's, that's, that's a nice job to have, Tim. You need that position. All right, moving on. What else is going on? Something coming out of Florida here, some big news. Yeah, the GM Bill Zito said that, and we kind of knew this was coming anyway, Brandon Montour and Aaron Eckblad, the top two defensemen on the team, are both going to miss the start of the season. Montour is probably back in November. Well, Ekblad is not till January, so basically half the season. We kind of knew that was coming. Like I said, they they battled through a lot in that playoff run, and they both had surgery, I believe. So a little bit of a I, – I, would I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out and try to grab a defenseman, right, to try to carry them through the early part of the season. I think – I I know it's early, but this could be another case where a Stanley Cup contender doesn't even make the playoffs. I don't know how many times that's happened. But when you look at this team and you look at how they're set up, I don't know. Like they bring in Oliver Ekman Larson. You know, you're missing your two best defensemen for a substantial period of time. I don't know. I don't know if Florida is even going to be anywhere near. I know they snuck into the second wild card team this year. Uh, I would bet against them missing the playoffs this coming season. Them when the Bruins are out, which is crazy. The best team ever in the history of hockey and the team that made the Stanley Cup finals will both be out from the Eastern Conference. Isn't that, if that happens, that's remarkable. They'll replaced by Buffalo Sabres, I think will sneak in. And then either the Ottawa Senators or the Pittsburgh Penguins. Those, Those are teams. the three teams I was thinking of too. Yeah, yeah we're think, so we're so similar. <laughs> it's funny. We finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> okay, last thing. <laughs> <laughs> last thing here. Um, there's a report oh, out that Patrick good. Kane. Well, there's conflicting reports. I read one that he's going to go sign with the Rangers. Obviously. He's not going to Detroit. I saw this too. There's no way. The other, shouldn't even, this is baseless information. Everything on Twitter isn't true to him. Quote, someone who knows Kane very well Ugh. said Kane told him uh, he wanted to follow the Brinkett if when he was able to. Of course, there has to be mutual interest. We'll see if Detroit is interested. I would think they'd have to be, right? So it's he's not going to Detroit. Like, can we just put that to bed? Do you think Detroit's going to be a cup cha- like contender this year? Why Why you seem so sure about that? Do you think I just look at the logistics and the probability. Do you think Patrick Kane is going to go to a team that doesn't have a chance to win the Stanley cup? No, there's no reason for him to go there. Yes. He'd be a good player. He'd fit in maybe alongside to and Larkin. That's great. Then who does Detroit have? They don't have anybody. Their second line center is JT Comfer, David Perron, Lucas Raymond. That's not a good second line. Raymond's a stud. Come on. He but is, yeah. but it's not a good second line. So, uh, he won't go to Detroit. I just, th- this was like when Matthews wasn't going to sign and everybody was throwing out rumors. Or where's Chitrin going to go? Who's linked to Chitrin? This is going to go like this for a while. Oh, Debrinket. Do you think Kane cares about following Debrinket? They're not that good of friends. Get over yourself. Everybody in Ottawa hated Debrinket. <laughs> Stop <laughs> creating rumors. <laughs> going to be the next headline. There's a whole bunch of stuff talking about Kane to Detroit, but they all tie back to the same tweet by yeah. a man named John Dietz, who's covered the Daily Herald, the Blackhawks, Bears, and Cubs for 25 years, but his followers on Twitter, I'm not saying this is end-all, be-all, but he's has 500 followers on Twitter. So, yeah. I would bet against it. I, I would most likely 
link him back to the Rangers or someone who is a cup contender. Kaner wants to compete. He's had a few years of non-competition in the playoffs. He got a taste of it with the Rangers last year. He's old. You know, he's 33, 35. What does he know? I don't know. He's not going to go to a team just to play, to follow Alex Dabrinkit for Pete's sake. All right, that's it, Tim. Anything else? Uh, No, no. We're moving on to next week. Ah, bigger and better things. All right, everybody. We're, oh, I had my fantasy football draft. We should have talked about that. It's too late. We got to move on. Who's your first pick? Um, I can't remember. Some running back. <laughs> okay. Saquon Barkley. I went heavy on the Giants for some reason. I just saw I wanted to get a tight end and all the top guys were gone. So I got their tight end, Darren Weller. I wanted to get a running back. I got Saquon Barkley. I needed a quarterback. I got Daniel Jones. So I don't know. My team's going to be it, junk. Is it more likely that the Patriots finished second in the division or fourth? Fourth. Absolutely fourth. Ugh. They have the fourth best quarterback. They have second. the fourth best offense. Who is Mac Jones better than? Is he better than Josh Allen? No, no. Is he better the than Aaron Rodgers? Is, is possibly Tua. The only is thing he better is, than uh, Aaron Rodgers? No, no. He's not better than Tua. You could argue that he is, but that's an opinion thing. But the Bill O'Brien is the X factor. What's what's he going to bring back to the offense? So we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> it's not bad. It's not good. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.